the naked question of principle on taxation was thus presented. It had been an insidious plan, but the energy of the Americans had foiled it completely. Three pence a pound was nothing, but the principle of tyranny was strong, and the resistance was unyielding, as though it had been an act of confiscation. Tea was shipped in vast quantities, but the people refused it. Charleston would not permit it to be sold, storing it in wet basements till it was ruined. In Boston, a large crowd descended onto Griffin's Wharf. At the same instant, a group of men dressed as Indians ran among the laden ships of tea. In about two hours, they had hoisted out and broke open 342 chests of tea and dumped them into the harbor. They were unnoticed, as the multitude of spectators served as the covering party to the scene. No damage was done to the vessels, and when they were finished, all returned quietly to their own towns and homes. This day is known as the Boston Tea Party. Parliament, in order to punish the Bostonians, passed the Boston Port Bill, which prevented landing and shipping of goods. The Custom House was moved to Salem, which refused to raise its fortunes on the ruin of their countrymen. Marblehead, a town north of Boston, generously offered them the use of their warehouses and harbor. The following March, two other tyrannical bills were passed in Parliament. One subverted the whole Constitution and Charter of Massachusetts, taking all power out of the hands of the people and vesting it in the Crown. The other authorized the governor to send to England or to some other colony any person accused of murder or other capital offense committed in aiding magistrates in the discharge of their duty. Shortly after, General Thomas Cage arrived to supersede Governor Thomas Hutchinson as governor and to enforce the odious Port Bill of 1774. The Assembly resolved, The injustice, inhumanity, and cruelty of the Act exceed all our powers of expression and declared they would leave it to the just censure of others and appeal to the God of the world. The legislator of Virginia appointed June 1st, the day the act was to go into effect, as the day of fasting, humiliation, and prayer, to implore God to give them one heart and one mind, firmly to oppose by all, just and proper means, every injury to American rights. Governor John Murray Dunmore resented this proceeding and dissolved the assembly. They, however, formed an association, resolved not to use any imports, until the act was repealed, and concluded by proposing a general congress of colonies. On the 4th of September, the proposed congress, consisting of deputies from eleven colonies assembled in Philadelphia, passed a resolution highly commending the conduct of Massachusetts in the conflict with the wicked ministers and exhorted all to press on in the cause of liberty. They drew up a bill of rights, entered into an agreement for themselves and for their constituents, to cease all importations from Great Britain, and adopted measures for organizing committees in every town and city to see that this agreement was enforced by every species of popular influence. They addressed a letter to General Cage, entreating him to desist from military operations. They also voted an address to the King, one to Great Britain and another to Canada. Their petition to the King entreated him to restore them to their violated rights their rights as English freemen. In their address to the English people, they declared that they never would be hewers of wood and drawers of water for any ministry or nation in the world. 
This frank expression of feeling on the part of the colonists aroused the indignation of the British government. America, they said, had long wished to be independent, and to prevent this was the duty of every Englishman, and that it must be done at every hazard. Boston Neck was fortified, powder, and other military brought in by gauge. The assembly met in Salem and appointed the Committee of Safety and Supplies that sent messengers to New Hampshire, Rhode Island, and Connecticut to raise an army of 20,000 men. England could see the upheaval of violence from colonial indignation, refused to listen to the warning sound, and determined upon another act of oppression. The line in the sand had been drawn.